Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. Ah, it's been a really disappointing week at Chelsea. Uh, I feel like I've said that quite a lot this season. Joining me to break down these two games and, I don't know, try and garner any sort of positives and probably just discuss a whole load of le- negatives is Tom. Tom Overend from Chelsea Social. Tom, how are we doing? Ah, well, not great, to be fair, man. I had COVID all week and then... Had to watch those two performances, mate. It's not a lot to be cheerful about. Let's put it that way. No, you're absolutely right there. The best part of yesterday was counting down the time to go back to the pub afterwards. Anyway, as yes. I always do, guess I get them to give themselves a plug. So, Tom, tell people where they can find you and the Chelsea so, Social. You can follow me on Twitter at Tobas98. And you can find the Chelsea Social on at the Chelsea Social. Um, both, as I'm going to... In my biased opinion, both platforms worth a, worth a cheeky follow if you want any former Chelsea news. Um, try and keep it positive as well, although it is notoriously difficult at the moment, I will be honest. Uh, but we try and be positive. We try and be supportive of the team and hope, 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 hope you'll enjoy it, basically. Nice one, nice one. The links will be in the description below. Right, Tom, let's start off. Real Madrid, first leg. In the Champions Ooh. League quarterfinals, we lost 2-0. And to be honest, that went better than I expected results-wise. I, If anyone remembers from the last pod, I said we would lose 3-0. And quickly, before we get into this, uh, into the game, I will say to anyone who listens to the podcast on Google Podcasts, I apologise for the delay it took going out there to Google Podcasts last week. Absolutely not our fault. There was no issues our end. That was an issue on Google's end. And I don't know why it took that long. But it did eventually go go up there so again hopefully that's just a one-off but again apologies for anyone who listens on google podcast who had a, who had to wait a bit longer than than the rest of you to uh to listen to that one anyway yeah real madrid that was poor um i thought the first 15 minutes were quite encouraging uh and then from then on it was pretty difficult two nil yeah like i mean i thought it was quite funny how bt were basically saying, oh, Chelsea is still in the tie. We're still in this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah they were just des- they were just desperate to try and uh, sell a subscription package to uh, to any people out there. It was really really poor night from Chelsea. Um, Tom, just thoughts, feelings. I mean, we we only lost two 0 but I reckon that's probably one of the mm. easiest games Real Madrid will have played this season. I don't think they had to break yep. a sweat at all. And I think, and it says a lot. I think Madrid were really subpar as well. They 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 did what they had to do, but Madrid really were not good. And the fact that they were so dominant whilst playing so poorly for their high standards says a great deal about our team and says a great deal about the fact that we just look lost, mate. I mean, it was 
a game where I'm quite glad I didn't have my full attention on it and I couldn't go berserk at the team because I literally was half asleep with COVID. Um, and I watched, you know, watch clips of it again and it and it's just nothing. You know, we just had absolute... And I mean, you could tell how confused we were by Frank Lampard's decision with 10 men to go to a back four and try and bring on Mason Mount with the thought of being more proactive. I mean, actually... Yes, we look better, but it just shows that no one seems to have a clue what they're doing. Yeah, no, it was, it was really poor. And I think, I guess Frank was just thinking, well, let's just see by some hope, by some miracle, we can get a goal back because, you know, 2-0, we're, I mean, we 3-0, it's done. 2-0, we're basically done. And 2-1 was a slim flicker of hope. But yeah, it was, I was really poor. Look, obviously, let's get into it. Chelsea's first big chance of the game, about a couple of minutes in, Joao Felix, on goal. Uh, and, you know, hits it straight at Courtois, comfortable save. Look, my big gripe, and I think everyone's biggest gripe was that he the, he doesn't take it across the defender. He just, you know, he just kind of allows the defender to just sort of shuffle him, get into a position where the defender's quite comfortable and he can just let him to, to get a shot from a difficult angle, but he's really unlikely to score. But I think that's, you know, nice. And it was a nice opening moment and potentially, you know, we thought all that's a potential things to come but obviously the big thing that Felix does wrong is he doesn't cut across his man because that man is the last man if the defender's got to get stacked right otherwise it's a red card and um well you know gets him in a better shooting position but it is what it is that was encouraging instead of the first 15 minutes I thought were, were quite nice Kante sort of you know drip, c- carrying the ball forward uh but then we concede a, a poor goal just a ball ball in behind yep. the defense um which you know Kepper sort of just gets a, a, a palm to and it's an easy tap in for but Benzema, 1-0. I think, to be fair to our credit, we responded fairly well after that. We go up the other end and nearly score. Um, Courtois makes a really big save. And I think as we're going to get on to maybe with, you know, well, I mean, maybe there's some questioning about the first goal. We can see Burst only is with the second goal. But that's the difference when a side has a world-class keeper and Chelsea have got just a, a good one. I think you kind of see the big difference on show there that Courtois makes that save that I'm not really sure but our guy does. Um, but yeah. Good on a good day. Good on a good day and a lot less good than good on a bad day. Yeah. So, and that says a lot. Yeah. So anyway, it, it's 1-0 at half time, and I'm thinking, ugh, you know, well, it's only 1-0. Uh, you know, get for a minute of the, of the second half and it's already going better than the first leg last year. Um, not long into the second half. Uh, ben Chilwell is sent off. Obviously, at this point, Kaladu Koulibaly has gone off a pitch due to injury. Mark Corella's come on. Kukurela is called out and Chilwell's trying to trying to cover him and Chilwell brings down down his man and he is sent off and that puts Chelsea in a very difficult position. Um, and then the second goal we can see just kind of sums up just Chelsea really where they are. I mean, I didn't see it at the time, but I saw, you know, in a clip afterwards that Wesley Fofana is literally reading a note, presumably a tactical instruction while the corner is, taking, is being taken. Like there was just no organization it's a such a soft goal to concede it's another mm. shot that is conceded from outside the box and Kepper and it beats Kepper he get he gets a wrist to, wrist to it a palm to it but you know it's not enough it's 2-0 from Asensio and you know realistically that is tie over you know um Tom just your thoughts I've, I've said quite a lot but you're just thoughts on on that game it was it was a really really meek um weak meek horrifically poor performance I mean as I said, I don't think Madrid were very good. And the fact that they had to win that game 
so easily without breaking a sweat and without even making them play well. It's it's embarrassing. And a quick note on that second goal. And I, and I mean, I don't like people saying we had we have you know people have agendas and that, but you've got to look at the goalkeeping for that second goal. Kepper was standing about two thirds to three quarters across um, his goal. He really, really, really should not have been beaten. Um, by that shot that came to his side of the goal. Um, and he's just beaten so easily. And his standing position means that you shouldn't be beaten from there. And it just it underlines, as you said, how, how how weak the goalkeeper is, how weak the team is, the fact that in attack we look toothless, even though I think Madrid, in a way, were actually there for the taking. And, I mean, the, their defence didn't look great when we did have our limited opportunities. Yeah, it's just so, so weak, so predictable. The players have no patterns of play. They look like they haven't, you know, we have 11 players that look like they haven't played with each other for, you know, at all. As if it's like the first preseason game of the season. That's the way they attack, in my opinion. You know? And overall, it just gives you the feeling that it's 2-0, but it might as well be 4-0. It might as well be one of those second legs where you just go in, you want to see it through, and you just want 90 minutes to come as soon as possible. Honestly. Yeah, yeah it, no, it's agreed. 2-0 is just deceptive. It's so deceptive as to the level, the difference in level between Chelsea and Real Madrid at the moment, you know? Yeah, and as I said, Real Madrid didn't have to break as well. I think if they'd had to, they would have. But I think they realised they could play within themselves. And it was, you know, pretty comfortable night. I think their only reg- biggest regret is that they haven't, well, you know, they will go on and they will probably go on and, and win this tie. They did not properly kill that tie. You know, they could have got three, could have got four, could have got more, and they could have properly killed it there and then, which they didn't. That, I think, will be their only regret from that tie. But, you know, they didn't have to break a sweat. That is probably genuinely one of the easiest games I reckon they'll have played this season. I mean, Chelsea also yeah. couldn't live with their, pre- like, Real Madrid pressing. Like, Chelsea couldn't live with it. Um, as well, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, too critical of a guy because it's a tough ask, you know, being up against Vinicius Junior. Anyway, but I thought Wesley Fofana had his worst game in a Chelsea shirt. He looked woefully out of his depth um, on Wednesday night. But you know, he's a young player who's been actually on the whole pretty good for Chelsea. So I'm kind of willing to to come to that. But you know, I thought he was well. But I could just say that about so many players. I, I genuinely struggle to find one good performer from from midweek, and I'd say you know, Kante. Can say best. I thought Enzo Fernandez had his one of his worst games in a Chelsea shirt. He yeah. tried, he tried yeah. things, but he looked like completely out of his depth against the likes of, against that Real Madrid midfield. And again, I'm kind of fine that he's no support from old. though. Exactly, but 22 no years old. He's a young player. I've, I was willing to be, you know, I'm, I'm patient. That was just, you know, no, that that was a really poor showing. I thought midweek for, from Enzo Fernandez. But again, it's just everywhere. Reese James, poor. We'll get on to him again yesterday, poor. But again, he just looks like he is he just is knackered. He needs a rest and we've got to actually get his injury properly sorted. And I'd hope once the inevitable happens midweek, but that's restunned for the season and we actually look after him look after him properly because yeah. he did not did not look at it. Chili again, just yeah. Like I said, I actually probably Silver and Kudabali probably the only two I can really say from defence who actually I thought, you know, did quite well. And unfortunately Kudabali going off was a big Big loss for us in midfield was the midfield struggle. Kovacic just, yeah, kind of getting kind of fed up of a bloke now, to be perfectly honest with you. Yep. And up top, Felix and Sterling did not, did pretty much nothing. Sterling nothing. in particular, they offered, yeah, just absolutely nothing. It was just a really poor display. And for a Champions League quarterfinal, like, 
there should be excitement, there should be optimism, and that just went so quickly. And it's already gone so quickly. There's not a sense, like even last year, after that first leg, I still had a sense, well, well, if we get that first goal on the second leg, we've got a chance. Like now it's just, no, it's just a question of, I'm counting down the minutes Chelsea have got left the football they play this season. There's seven league games left in this Champions League high left, I believe. So there's, you know, eight games or eight or seven or eight games left of a football season. I'm genuinely counting down the minutes to it. It was just so poor. It was so uninspiring. And it was just 11 individuals. It was 11 individuals on that pitch in Madrid. Literally, there were no... It, it, it was like they'd never played together. Like, like, like if me and you stood outside Stamford Bridge, cobbled together a team of the best eleven Chelsea fans at football, who never played together, and told them to to play a game of eleven aside football. That's how it looked in terms of the fact that there were no passing lanes, there were no patterns. It just looked like there was nothing. It, it was it was almost hilarious how how much you know this is two-thirds of the way through the season you'd think the team at least would be familiar with how they play like you know the, the two center mids have you know played together played together before you know Kovacic and Enzo played almost every game together they can't string a pass it's as if they've not you know they've not played every game for almost you know two three months and then the the, the forward line Sterling and Felix these these two guys in probably our best performance of the season against Dortmund, they looked like they were building a real connection together. And then against Madrid, suddenly looks looks so unfamiliar and so weak. As if, you know, all the work they put in as a unit since January again was just non-existent. It just didn't didn't happen. And I just found it completely bizarre how you have people who have played together, have have put in far better performances than that this season, as a team, suddenly just look like they 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 don't know they don't know each other and they don't know how to play. And as you say, I mean Kovacic, what does he actually do? He'll he'll do everything. He'll beat he'll beat a player, he'll do something that looks nice and inevitably give the ball away every single time. Joel Phillips, he'll do something nice, look pretty Think, oh, something's happening here. And what will he do? Give the ball away, scuff up the chance, mess it up. Like there's literally nothing there that makes me have any confidence in about 90% of these players this season, you know? And it's it's a really horrible sight because at 2-0, yes, it's a tough ask. But 90% of the time, and for almost any other team in that last eight, if they're 2-0 down, they're going into their home leg at least saying, you know, we have a chance, get that first goal, see what happens. But with Chelsea, as I'm sure we'll talk about later on this show, we get that first goal against Brighton. And what does it do to change our mentality? Absolutely nothing. In fact, we almost looked worse after we scored than before we scored. So, yeah, at this point, at this point, it's just nothing. It's just absolutely nothing. And... It's so, so disappointing to see. Really, really disappointing. Yeah, no, indeed. It was just a really grim performance midweek. And again, you just kind of saw the clear step up in, in class, you know, the great back to Borussia Dortmund, the clear step, in cl- step up in class when you go from facing Borussia Dortmund to, to Real Madrid. Um, yeah, it was just clear, like, Mendy boys, whatever cliche you want to throw at it, is probably fairly fairly accurate. Real Madrid was, was a really... 
poor night, but you know, it's one the result went better than I expected. That's the only positive thing I can take away from from that game. That and you know that if by some miracle Chelsea put it, get that first goal and you know show something that we basically not seen apart from that one night be Dortmund this season, then then maybe. But yeah, it's it, it's pretty much uh, dead in the water that dream. Um, so let's move on to the second game of the week, Frank Lampard's homecoming again at Chelsea, uh, his first home game at Stamford Bridge, Brighton and Hove Albion, the opponents. Um, that was really poor. Any optimism, any kind of just good feeling, positive vibes about return, were pretty diminished by the way Brighton started that game. They probably could have scored so many more goals than they did. Um, we take the lead with a comical goal, but it's a goal. Conor Gallagher's first Chelsea goal at Stamford Bridge, which is a nice moment for him. And I'll get onto Conor a bit later. Uh, but Brighton, you know, they miss, they, t- they have their chances. They eventually get that equaliser through through Welbeck, uh, you know, an easy header in the box, 1-1. Uh, and, you know, after that, Brighton continue their domination. Really, they eventually take the lead 2-1 with NC. So brilliant strike. Another goal we conceded from outside the box, but, you know, yeah. hey, at this point, whatever. And it was fairly comfortable for Brighton from then on in. And it was a really discouraging performance. And it kind of says something that I was just basically, as soon as that game started, I'm counting down the minutes till I can leave that stadium, going to the pub with my mates. That kind of just sums up where I am with Chelsea and these league games uh, and just this season in general, and just how desperate I am for it to end. So I don't have to talk about it. And now I have to try and steer a conversation and then create an engaging conversation you the listener when I'm really so so over this season um Tom thoughts that was really poor Brighton's 26 shots was the most by an opposing side at Stamford Bridge in the Premier League era I think they missed five big chances I think yesterday that was the start I saw and Chelsea got 90 points from their last 21 league games it's really really bad just thoughts on that yesterday that was I mean out of the three games we've had so far under Frank I think that was comfortably the worst and you know the, the bar's not the bar's not you know particularly you know high or low or whatever for that but that was comfortably the worst of the three performances I think we've seen under Frank. You were at the game, Nick, too. Do you want to know what my what the best part of the game for me was yesterday of the match day experience? It was the guy, as I was walking into the stadium, giving out free candy. <laughs> that was the highlight of my day, was getting a free packet of strawberry and apple sour candy. And that's how I feel about Chelsea. Sour. It's called Shock Sour, these sweets. I'm reading them now. But the problem is these bad performances no longer shock me. They just make me feel sour. So that's it. It was a game where even after we scored to go ahead, I felt and I knew that Brighton were going to score and I knew we were going to lose. And something I will say is that I thought Brighton were absolutely superb. In fact, it was I actually really enjoyed watching Brighton play. I mean, I would have hoped and wished it were anybody but Chelsea they were playing such beautiful football against. But it was absolutely gorgeous from them. And no word of a lie, if someone had told me that the team in purple, uh, that the team in orange, rather, were Pep's Man City at the top of their game, I would have believed them without even a wink of scepticism or a wink of disbelief because they were gorgeous. You know, they, they had players... And they had personnel that knew what their role was, knew who to pass to, knew that players will be waiting for their ball, knew 
everything. It was a team that had such chemistry, confidence, and full credit to Deserby, but also full credit to Potter and also Brighton's backroom team for recruiting um, such a good squad and such a talented squad. And what it does go to show is that while it takes years to build a squad of that level, and particularly at that sort of Brighton's level in the league, which with all due respect is probably mid-table um, in, in, in sort of historically. And it also shows that Brighton have different personnel every single week. You know, I don't think anybody, any genuine Chelsea fan, other than perhaps the biggest Premier League stato, would have known who that Cisco guy was before the game yesterday. But he comes in, fits like a hand in a glove and scores an absolutely beautiful goal. And I mean, Brighton bring on a chap called Gakpo. Like, what? We yeah. who are these players, but they I come mean, on. Yeah, that was Welbeck. That was a big, that was a mess up from a big screen, which was quite funny. Oh. Which brought one of the moments of a game with Brighton fans singing Cody Gakpo. He's one of our own. Oh, I'm glad it was because I was thinking to myself, what? Yeah, Why does the guy that was say a, Gakpo? That was a big mistake on the big screen. That was Danny Welbeck who came on. Because both their subs scored yesterday off the bench. Good, because because I, I did see Danny Welbeck coming on and I was like, what? Well, I didn't recognise, I didn't remember him being announced. But that was just bizarre. And I just, but, but, but the point remains, the fact that I thought that they had a guy called Gakpo who probably fitted in and played really well tells you how much, how, how well coached and how well drilled Brighton are. Because... They're bringing in new players that nobody's ever heard of, and, and they're amazing. We bring in high-rated youngsters for £80, £90 million. Pounds, and this isn't a slant at Mudrick, because I actually think he played quite well. And they look awful. They look like they don't have a clue. And it says a great deal about the scale of rebuild needed at Chelsea next season and in upcoming seasons. It really, really does. And... We were played off the park. And honestly, my my reaction to that game wasn't even one of anger. It was just a, wow, Brighton were superb. And Chelsea just looked dreadful, like really, really poor, you know. And a point worth mentioning, and this is genuinely not me trying to be a negative fan at this point, because... I always know that there are doom mongers and it can get annoying people sort of performatively saying how poor we are. But genuinely, genuinely, looking at our last seven fixtures, I could easily see us losing every single one of them. No word of a lie. There isn't one game there where I think to myself, ah, we've got a great chance there. We've got a great chance of a point. I I, I don't. I really don't, Nick. Do help me out if you can... If you can help me, but it's yeah. really, really horrible, you know? I mean, I'd say I'd, Forrest at home, I'd still expect us to get at least a point from. I mean, it depends what their situation is like, but and I know we only drew them earlier in the season, but they might be just sliding towards relegation right now. So I, you They've know, been bad away from home all season. And I would back us to, to get that. I, I Bournemouth away, I kind of had something down. But then I kind of, their recent form, their recent performances, and now I'm kind of scared of Bournemouth all over again. Um, yeah, yep. it was poor. Just look, on Brighton, they were superb. Their, their wide man, Mitoma, is a superb player. Yep. He had Tralabar on toast. He, he, you know, he nearly has an amazing solo goal, if not for a great save mm. from Kepa. He was great. Alexis McAllister, you know, made it look, Football looked pretty simple yesterday. I mean, 
it was just so so it was easy lovely, wasn't it? And CISO comes on and again he just looked like, you know, he'd been playing football for for forever, really. I thought he was, you yeah. know, he was great. March again was good. I mean, Pascal Gross again gets gets that crossing. Like, I mean, Moises Caicedo, you know, the highly rated sort of DM top target for you know name link with Chelsea. I didn't even really notice him yesterday much aside from one time he, you know, got pressed, pressed in his box, which Kovacic, you know bluff the chance from but you know Caicedo you know and if I'm not noticing their DM it's kind of also going to show how well Brighton are playing away from home but I'm not noticing their forward players and just how dominant they all are they were they were superb whatever I know people are going to get kind of sick of a Brighton loving considering what you know we've taken Cucurella from Brighton we took Potter from Brighton and those have not worked out but Brighton honestly are such a joy to watch that was they are one of the best I reckon one of the best teams that was one of the best team performances I reckon I've seen at Stamford Bridge this season that was they were superb they look so well drilled Deserby's doing a brilliant job there I mean they're seventh in the league right now they've got a couple games in hand but I mean honestly the Europa League for them is a real a real possibility for them and I you know just for them I would love it because I think they're such a well they're such a well run club. I like how they operate, and obviously I realise at that level that's probably the best one of the better ways for them to operate. But they lose a player, and it's just so easy. I mean, they lost. Do people remember they lost a couple of players to injury in that first half? They lost Evan Ferguson and Joel Veltman to to injury yesterday, and then Deserby's just like, okay, all right, that's not an issue. They're just able to just play how they want to play. It was so. I mean, yeah, they were just so so good to. To watch yesterday, played lovely stuff. And I said, you know, you wouldn't have thought, you know, going back, you know, a few years, you wouldn't have think you could have swapped those two teams around to some someone from the outside and they, you know, wouldn't have batted an eyelid. eyelid. Brighton were were very good. They were very deserving. Um, Chelsea just so poor defensively. I'll actually say something, Nick, and I apologise for interrupting, mate. I don't think I've seen even a Chelsea team attack as well as that Brighton team for well over two years now. Yeah, and that says a lot. But I don't I'm, remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted like Norwich seven nil, but again, that's the caveat. It's Norwich. Juventus four nil last year. To be fair, I thought we attacked the Milan. Well. The Milan three nil this year, I suppose, but to an extent, don't think it was as good as as this though from no. Brighton. To be fair, but I'd say the Juventus and Norwich games under Tuchel maybe, but. But yeah, but but anyway, just Chelsea's poor defensively, abysmal. Badi Shile was very lucky a few times yesterday taking the ball out from the back, not to get dispossessed. Trev struggled. That midfield offered zero protection. Zachariah, I'm gonna I was poor, but I'm gonna be leading on him because I reckon that's his first start in forever. I think that's his yep. first game he started in forever, and I I honestly think that's the first time I've seen him on a football pitch since the closing stages of Borussia Dortmund at home. But I could be why very does he play? very but why wrong. Did, but why? Because he, there's an eye on there's an eye on midweek, Tom. That that team was clearly an eye on midweek for Madrid, and there was a clear shift because he makes four subs in there about the 53rd mm. minute yesterday. There was a clear or 56, 57 minute yesterday. There was a clear eye on Madrid with some of those selections because it's oh. probably why we went to a back four. And I don't, to be fair, I don't blame yeah. Frank for that because yesterday didn't matter. It's going to annoy people me saying that yesterday does not matter. The league does not matter. It sucks no. to hear, but it doesn't matter. None of these games mean anything really. My question We're not building any long term. No, again, and I'll get on to this. What does annoy me though, seeing Noni Madueki on the bench as yes. like an unused. Oh no, he wasn't even on the bench yesterday. 
Yeah, sorry, he wasn't even in the squad. But I'm seeing Hakim Ziyech coming on. And to be fair, I don't think Hakim Ziyech was bad when he came on. But I'm just thinking, what's the future? Exactly. There's no point in him coming on. Pulisic gets a a start for what I feel like. That feels like a rare start for him. Hit the post end of the first half. Again, this is this is the frustration I've all held. Why are we playing like build for the future? Like use this time to build, and it doesn't feel we're doing that. Madrid got a start, and he look. We'll get on to him. I thought he was great, but the issue is we didn't get the ball to him enough. And I guess that's something he's got to work on. That his best moments were in sort of that transition phase where he wins that free kick, you yeah. know, gets Veltman booked, uh, and then obviously he, you know, he, he's labeled to sort of dribble into space and lay it off for for Connor to shoot. But we've got to, you know, work on him, his game, his game still raw. But there were some encouraging signs. But it was genuinely very frustrating yesterday just watching that. And again, also, you you know the sentiment. It's quite clear what the sentiment is to some players. They were grown sort of, you know, seeing Enzo Fernandez coming off. But there were cheers when Raheem Sterling was coming off. And to me, that was pretty telling as well, just a relationship with some players. And again, Sterling just, you know, has been poor this season. It's his first season. It's been, you know, ridiculous circumstances. He's played under four different people. I'm, you know, I'm willing to be kind of lenient with him, but that kind of says it. And then one of the biggest cheers of the day is Mason Mount coming on, and we don't even know what his future is looking like at Chelsea. It's just so flat, and it's just so discouraging. And it just kind of says, I said yesterday, I literally didn't care about the result at all. Like, the result did not influence my mood at all yesterday. All I cared about yesterday was going to the pub with my mates and seeing my mates. Mm. That's all that mattered to me. Yesterday, the football was just something that I had to go through to get to the enjoyment afterwards. Which again, I like I want the, the football. Like, to forty, yeah. And I think to be fair, I think we'll get there at some point. But it was just so poor. But again, sorry, this is I don't care. I really don't care. Which just kind of sums up how bad Chelsea been. Look, on a word, Conor Gallagher. Question: Whatever you think about his ability, whether he's good enough, I can't question. I can never question his attitude, no. his commitment to this Chelsea team, which I can with quite a few others on that football pitch. Well, he worked, worked so hard yesterday, put a proper shift in, scores his first oh, goal at Stamford Bridge, a moment that he will never forget. Delighted for him. He deserves that moment. So, Tom, it's been pretty doom and gloom. Just a word on Colin Gallagher because he deserves some praises. He was the one player, along with Madrid, that actually deserves some praises for the performances they yep. put in yesterday. I think every time I see him play and when he comes off the bench too, he gives defenders hell. He presses like like nobody like like nobody's seen and he's really he's he's really he really works hard and there are areas for him to develop like not getting stupid yellow cards but he he works hard he tries hard and and, and I tweeted this out yesterday that's what Cobham gives you a love for the club and a desire to want to get better and not want to see Chelsea in this state and I think he gets a disgusting amount of abuse online as to be fair, most players do in this day and age. But I really don't understand why. I think I, I was really, really happy with him yesterday. And I think perhaps if every player, perhaps some that are more developed than him, had put in the effort he put, maybe we wouldn't have been outclassed by quite as much yesterday as we were. Because he, as you've said, no matter what you think of him longer term, you know he's going to put in 100% for our club. And that's something that, you know, some people would say that's the bare minimum. And I suppose... It is the bare minimum. It is the bare minimum. But 90% of those players yesterday, I can't say um, the same of. Yep, exactly. And I was going to say that, like, you can say it's a bare minimum, but when no other player is even doing that, you have to single him out and praise him for that. 
because he remember he was offered a loan move in January and he said, no, I want to prove myself at Chelsea. And he's come in and, and it can tell, you can tell that he's working so, so hard to try and get into this team. So, you know, it's something to hold on to. At least we have some players that want to be at the club and want our club to do well, because there are many of them, as you say, that don't, it feels like, and don't really care. And that that is one reason why you, me, lots of people just can't wait for this season to end. Because it is yeah. joyless, it's painful, and it's not going to change until we have a pre-season, a new coach, and a new plan. Yeah, no, exactly. And look, the reason I kind of say this, and I know, look, and I know people are like, oh, why didn't we get Enrique in now? Look, no. Look, what I will say, if Enrique came in now, obviously we'd be, we'd, we would be tactically set up better than we are under Frank. I do not deny that. I barely, we barely even mentioned Frank tactics across these two games. Because there are none. Because, well, yeah, there's not much, is there? But the, the point is, but we kind of knew, if you thought, like, we kind of knew what we were getting with Frank, though. Like, we know we're not getting this top coach coming in. We're literally yeah. getting someone to literally just to steer the ship through to the end of the season and just to have someone to sort of be a, a, be the image and prop up, sort of a, be the face of a club during this really difficult time and make Chelsea somewhat tiny bit more enjoyable, tolerable. And that is clear. And that's three games in has not worked either. People are fed up as well now. There's been no boost from, from doing that. But again, it's this is my point. Four different people, though, have struggled to get a tune out of these players this season. And I think when the issue is just this deep set in the season, you can't get out of it. You can't get right. out of it. 15-16, we had better players than we do now. We had Premier League title winners. We had players who had won stuff. We had, you know, Costa, Hazard, Matic, Fabregas, Courtois, Terry, Cahill, etc. They couldn't get out of it. Like, At least we know, won some games in 15-16. I mean, there's not, Tom, it's not going to be much difference, to be fair, in terms of games won. I mean, we've already, I think we've already won more home games this season than we did in 15-16. Really? Yeah, we only won five oh. home games in fifteen sixteen. We we you know it's a stretch to get as many points as we're gonna get in fifteen sixteen this season as we you know did then. But the thing is though, and that's a bet that was a better group of players than we've like got now, more leaders in that group than we've got now. So, you know, when the issue's that deep set, I just don't think it's gonna radically change, which is why I said I know people want a new manager and maybe the new manager comes in, but this is such Agreed. a difficult time. There's nothing to gain really from these last few weeks of the season like there's basically nothing to gain it's literally just going through the pain and just you know coming out trying to come out the other side of it positively really but because it's a really difficult situation that but we were in we were in and yeah it just it just sucks there's no joy at Chelsea I mean honestly it kind of sums up yesterday one of the better moments of the game is after Conor Gallagher scored was the crowd everyone singing we've scored a goal Mm. we've scored a goal like, yep. there's just that sort of slapstick sort of humour about us right now. But that's kind of like what we're resorting to. I remember being at Fulham away when Koulibaly equalised and the chance of we are staying up. Like, it's just been one of those seasons where fans have just got to try and find the joy and the, like, the humour in like the really darkest of darkest of times, certainly by by Chelsea and it's worth And it's worth mentioning, and I don't know if this, you know, if this is something we were going to talk about, but it gets embarrassing when you see Todd Bowley arguing with fans on the West, fans on the West, West View above him, taunting him and arguing with him about the future of the club. That shows you the level and where, where, where we are right now. Yeah. We've got and fans it, having arguments with owners. And look, to be owners. fair to those fans, and look, while I'm going to be, while I'm certainly a, a lot less critical 
of Bowley and the new ownership than a lot of fans are. They are, It's yeah. fair to say they've had a stinking first season. Yep. And it's yep. absolutely, and fans are rightly frustrated and pissed off. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm yeah. not trying to have, no, have one at those fans. I'm someone that pays a lot of money for a season ticket up where those fans are. And frankly, when I watch that every week, I ask myself why. Yeah. Because it's, it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm not doing that to watch this absolute rubbish every single game. And it doesn't improve. And every step they're making is wrong. And while, like you, I don't think it's mainly the owner's fault, the yeah. fans have every right to say, and we're investing like, this yeah, in the team. Exactly. And the owners are like the easier place to go to, to, to express that frustration. Look, as I've said before, the owners, we can easily talk about their mishaps in the terms of a manager situation. And we, you know, absolutely. That's a conversation to be had. That's actually my only real strong thought against them. Like, yeah, sure. Maybe they try to almost buy too many players all at once, but I can't fault really their ambition of what they've tried to do. But anyway, we kind of digress. But yeah, Chelsea, just not a happy place yesterday. Just not, not a happy place. People rightly fed up. As I said, I'm just lucky and I'm thankful but I have the social aspect of yesterday just to kind of get over the football and really not care about it. But I know a lot of people and a yep. lot of listeners out there will not have that. And they are rightly frustrated and rightly annoyed at what they've seen yesterday. So, you know, it's us, it's for us to, you know, try and, you know, also have that conversation there as well. There's just been such little joy with Chelsea this season. It's been yep. really poor to watch. And it's just one of those where we've literally just got to get through to the end of the season. And I guess what doesn't help Chelsea fans' mood is that one of their biggest rivals, Arsenal, is is doing well and in a title race, you know. Yeah. And we've got Arsenal to play in a few weeks. And in fifteen sixteen, we had Tottenham, one of our big rivals, doing well and in a title race. But that group, you actually had faith and you had confidence that that group could actually step up and do something against Tottenham. Yeah. You actually had belief and we did the for double that group. over Arsenal that year yeah. as well. But you do not have that faith or that belief with this group now. I'm watching it. I mean, you know, we're recording sort of Sunday afternoon when I, you know, it's 2-1 Arsenal at West Ham this point. But Arsenal were 2 up against West Ham inside 10 minutes, you know, today. And I'm thinking a bit like, they're going to run right past us. They're, this could be embarrassing. This could be like they're 6-0 on us. Like, gen- like, it could genuinely be that bad. It's yep. so uninspired. It's so devoid of ideas. And Chelsea are just sort of in limbo right now. It's just a bit of a mess. And it's just going to be really, until that new manager is announced for next season. There's going to be negativity. There's going to be frustration. And while the owners, we kind of just see them sort of, you know, interact with fans every now and then until we see something on the club channels of, or, you know, they're more like technical directors or whatever, just explaining or doing something. People are going to be rightly annoyed and understand because we've not had really any sort of interaction or, or, or from them. We don't, you know, we, we can sort of gauge an idea of what they want to do with the club based on, you know, what they kind of bits have been said about wanting to give a manager time, et cetera, and wanting to give, you know, and signing the talent and the sort of the profile of players we have. But until there's like sort of that official coming from them, it's going to be hard for fans to to engage with them and sort of build anything with them because, you know, they've not really done anything to sort of to engage fans. And while I'm kind of like lenient with them, you know, fans are going, you know, they're going from one really popular owner who they had a bond with, even if the owner you know was very elusive and didn't you know give yeah. many interviews they were still sort of that bond and their connection and there's not that bond and their connection there and Chelsea fans in general just not feel a bond and connection with the club right now they don't feel it with a lot of the fat with the players they really struggle there's not much to to cling on to they've literally kind of got frank and then even again yesterday 
but it was a like chanting his name at the start. And then that quickly dissipated once, you know, the usual happened and the football takes place and we get outplayed yet again. Like there's there's just absolutely nothing for people to to cling on to. There's nothing to be happy about. There's nothing to draw about. And you literally like you go into the football and you're just like, you kind of just whatever. Like I literally talk my mates, yes, I'm like, if we get a point against Brighton, I'm delighted. I'm delighted yep. if we get a point Same. against Brighton. And it's just just sums up this season where we are, but we're just clinging on to any little bits of detail. Like I got more like I care more about Manchester City and Arsenal's league, respective league results than I do ours for the rest of this season. And I'm yep. kind of and I'm fed up of that feeling out this season. But I've also been fed up of feeling that for the last few seasons where Chelsea have been in top four battles. And I've also been looking at the top of the table and hoping one of the rivals doesn't win it. This season I've been kind of going got to that stage a lot earlier and at least in both seasons Chelsea results still mattered to me because we were getting top four but none of this really bothers me or affects me a huge amount I'm just being honest and authentic with with the listeners and I know there'll be listeners who have different reactions who get you know you know get annoyed sort of every single week I just can't get annoyed about I can't get annoyed by what by what I'm seeing because I've basically just been apathetic to this whole season I've never really gotten into this season as a whole it never really started for me. There were question marks and there were doubts. And then we have that Spurs game, second game of the season. I'm thinking, oh, okay, there's, there's something there that I liked and I saw. And then a week later, we go to Leeds and 3 0, and all that optimism and enthusiasm is gone. And it just never got going from there. There was a few weeks of the start of Potter where that maybe there was something. But then again, that went. There's been nothing for me. There's nothing been, been nothing substantial to cling on to, nothing long term. There's literally been spurts to cling on to, and that's not enough. Every single like damn we do again. Oh, are we turning a corner here? Like, is this like a full storm? It's been like fifteen, sixteen all mm. over again, but just with less talented players than we did back then. And also the sense that that team would get back to where it was, where there's not the sense where we're going to be with this team. You do not know when this Chelsea side is next going to be playing Champions League football again. You know, Tuesday yeah. night is going to be our last Champions League football for at least a season, but it could be a lot longer because you're looking at this league. You're looking at Newcastle what they're doing in the league. You, Arsenal, you'd imagine, will go from strength to strength. City will be City. Liverpool, what are they going to be like? But United under Ten Hag, what, you know, they're doing some nice stuff. Even Aston Villa under Unai Emery, I believe at the time of recording, are now in sixth place. And they were level on points with us a few weeks ago when we played them. And they're a club going places. Mm. And you kind of just look at it and you just... Right now, Chelsea just a mess. People are yeah. confused. They're tired. They're frustrated. They're agitated. And I completely understand that. I just can't spend all my energy... And all my time like that because it's not healthy yeah. and it's not worth it's not I don't get anything from that and I can't and I'm just yeah. thankfully I'm able to sort of block that out and just able to go on with my business. Once I've recorded this podcast, I will move on. We play Madrid Tuesday. Once that game is done, I will just move on a day later. I'm just able to yeah. do that. And I'm very lucky that I'm able to do that. And I know that not everyone yeah. else is able to do that. But I just can't let this season, I can't let the football annoy me like it has I can't it's not healthy it's not healthy and I realise it's not easy for everyone to do that and I understand for football it's like an escape for some people and it's sort of their main way out and I completely understand that it's been that that for me in the past but I can't I just can't get as annoyed by what I'm seeing it's frustrating it's not enjoyable I'm getting absolutely zero joy from watching Chelsea but I just go okay that's happened as I said these last two games I was unsurprised and unmoved by what I saw, which is just absolutely yeah. telling of the state Chelsea are in. There's yeah. no sheer, there were no like really strong emotions felt. It was just like, yep, okay, that doesn't surprise me that it's happened, but I'm also not that annoyed because I've been seeing this for however long. I know yep. it's not going to change. And it's not and it was not going to really change drastically whoever came in, if they came in now, because this is a mess and it's deep rooted and you can't 
I just don't think you can just get it. You need a clean slate in the summer to hope that you can clear this mess out and you can sort of go again next season. Because we've seen in the past, you can do that. I'm just, this season is just a mess and we've just got to cobble together to the end and just get through. No one's going to remember this season fondly. The only thing we've got to take away from this season is that Champions League night against Borussia Dortmund, which was a great night. That's all we've got to take away from this season. That is literally it. There is nothing to be excited about, you know, because if unless we're going to start seeing some of these players that we signed, like Madueke in the coming weeks in the league season, Mudra getting extended run of the side, Enzo, you know, playing a lot. Well, I mean, he's still playing right now, but at this point, unless we're going to see this, then there's nothing to get excited for, because there's not even a sense of what we're seeing on the pitch and the subs from the manager, that there's any sense of long-term. It's just muddling through to the end of the season. There is no joy yeah. coming from anywhere at Chelsea. It's just a mess. It's just frustrating. And I'm kind of sick and tired of doing a podcast every week where I've got to yeah. try and build a conversation that's engaging for listeners when I'm so tuned out of what's going on, where I mentally clocked out of Chelsea's league season ages ago. Once we get knocked out of the Champions League, Tuesday night, I'll be mentally clocked out of Chelsea season as a whole. Yep. And we've basically got six, five or six weeks left where I'm literally just like, football is happening. I don't really care about it. And yet I'm going to be talking about it to you listeners and trying to provide an engaging conversation, talking about stuff. And we will continue to do our best because we kind of owe it to you guys but I can't, I, it's just where I am. I'm not, I just can't be annoyed. I'm so past the point of caring, which again is just damning of Chelsea season itself. What will be, will be. I honestly am so, so done with this season and I want it to end so badly. So I'm anything this, to add. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was very much a sort of passionate run. Uh, and it's worth me, worth me adding a few things on that because I, I largely, I, I agree with, 95% of what you said there. I mean, I think you're right. I wouldn't say I'm as apathetic in that I always want Chelsea to win. I obviously know you do. And I know that you'll be keeping an eye out for wins. You're looking for signs and things that we can take into next season, right? Yeah. And I know that you're very much the same as me on that. Like 15, 16, we had Loftus-Cheek. This year, we have, you know, some signings at least. But something I'll add is, even if you're, even if you are, like sort of still mentally invested in this season which is very difficult I'd like to say I am like you Nick I try and provide Twitter content for people and I try and stay positive wherever I can and I know that you've done that over several years you know with Jack with you know by by yourself with 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 other with, with, with others as well but my question would be to any fan who basically any fan of Chelsea can you honestly tell me you went into that game against Brighton and expected us to get anything from it? Watching them and watching us this season, did 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 anybody go into that game and genuinely think we were going to come out with anything other than the loss we got last year? Uh, yeah. The loss we got in this game? I mean, a goal no. is a bonus to me, Tom. We haven't scored yeah. a goal for yeah. ages. A yeah. goal, yeah. I'm yeah. taking a goal. But the point is, we went to the Amex this season where we were on good form. Remember, we were unbeaten in like Potter's first nine games. We come and they smoke us 4-1. And actually, we only lost 2-1 yesterday. And yes, it should have been more. But in fact, 2-1 was almost a nice scoreline for us. We almost did well to come out with only a 2-1 defeat. As embarrassing as that sounds at home to Brighton. But that says a great deal about the season we've had, the team we've had. But at this point, there aren't many teams that are going to games against saying, do you know, we have a great chance because I watch almost any team this season other than us and they look far more impressive than we do, far more like a team than we do, and far more together than we do. So 
that's something worth mentioning that there's no point in getting sort of stressed out about it. I completely agree with that, Nick. And I'm glad actually that on a football podcast and someone who's, you know, meant to be promoting the game, meant to be promoting Chelsea, you know, bigging us up, you know, and you're as football mad as I am, saying, you know, it isn't worth getting, it isn't worth losing your rag over this team. It, it is not worth your energy, your mental health and your general stress levels losing your marbles over this team. And it's also worth saying that I think, and a lot of you know, some people have actually sort of criticised me for saying this or criticised maybe saying I'm being too positive, but I, I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that next season, once we have a coach in, things will be a hell of a lot better because a bit like Man United, you know, Man United last year looked horrifically poor, but they bring in Ten Hag, announce him early, he gets a full pre-season and things improved genuinely fairly quickly for United. Um, yes, they had some poor results at the start of the season, but things things are a hell of a lot better for them now than they were 12 months ago. Um, I remember when we played them and they were booed off at Old Trafford and that was even after a draw. So I think it, I, I think it is worth saying it's a horrible period where football is really not going to be fun for the next few months watching Chelsea or the next sort of month. I think it's 43 days. Shout out to CFC Daily for counting it down every day on this platform. It reminds me how, how you know, the amount of time left I have to bear with this squad. Um, but I, but, but I sit there and I think to myself, firstly, it can't get any worse next season. And secondly, I genuinely, genuinely believe that there are things to be positive about, but that absolutely none of them will come into fruition this season. We are just too too far gone, too poor. And I just hope that the club announce a coach as soon as possible and at least give us something to hold on to, something to build off, and something to say, look, this season's a write-off, but next year we've got Luis Enrique, we've got Julian Nagelsmann, we've got you know, exciting Ruben Amarine coming in, really trying to do something with this group of players. So... That's where it's at for me, mate. I mean, that's just, it's just at a point where I think we've got to clear 10 to 15 players out. We've got to rebuild the squad. But I genuinely believe these owners are building for, for long-term success. I think very much they're looking at it like investors do, which is you know short-term hit, but in the long-term it will grow. And if this season is the cost, of us cha- changing into a team that's going to back a manager, that's going to build projects, then maybe that's a cost in the long term we'll all look at and we'll say, do you know what? It's a price worth paying. But at the moment, it's very hard to, it's very, very hard to look at it like that, you know? So that's it, mate. I, I Maybe I'm rambling, I don't know, but I'm trying my best to give you as another Chelsea fan on here, my feeling on the club on this season. And I actually think that there's no point in sort of pointing your guns at anybody at the moment. Might as well just stick together and hope that the club do what's needed come the end of the season to make us competitive again. You know? Yeah. And look, I said, if, if in that time comes, even if it's like the final weeks of the season, if it is announced that so-and-so will take over again, you just kind of know that, you know, 15, 16 minutes out to Conte will, 
take over and you kind of go, okay, you know, we're planning for next season. There's next season to look forward to. But just just give us something because I say right now it's mm. just a club that looks like a mess. And yep. while I don't necessarily think the situation is as bad as it ever seems to be, also never think it's no. as good as it seems to be. A lot of people, Agreed. rightly so, are concerned, you know, with the direction the club's going in, are worried, etc. But there just needs to be sort of, I don't know, communication from the owners, except just something. Just, But yeah, it, it's difficult. It's really tough. As I said, I'm just me. I can't change who I am to try and, you know, fake outrage at what I'm seeing right now. Because yeah. I'm so, that's not my character. That's not personality. And I'm so past, if you want that, go to go to YouTube. Angry Ramp. Find what, whatever you kind of want from from people there if you if you want that feel i can just be me be genuine be authentic and just say it's really poor this season has been really poor these last two games have been really poor they've been really unenjoyable tactically we've been poor the players have been poor i can say all this you guys listening all know this but i I can't get mad at it because i've seen it for so long there's nothing Mm. to achieve from this season the season has been so far it's so far gone and it's frustrating how uninspiring and chelsea are to watch I just kind of accept it for what it is. And, you know, next season will be a fresh start, hopefully. And I will go into that season, hopefully when that new coach is announced, we kind of see it, hopefully some players have gone and that coach has got time. And I'll be, okay. it's a fresh start. We've got a vision we want to go in. Because, again, I kind of sort of, with Potter, when Potter was here, I was still thinking, well, long-term, let's look for what there is to build long-term. What is there to see long-term from Chelsea, as soon as Potter went and the interims were in, in Bruno and then yep. Frank, there was nothing long-term about it. Yep. There was nothing long-term. There's no no future to really invest in or look forward to, which again is also why I'm, I look at this Frank time very differently to his first time, where I was more sort of emotionally engaged in it. I was more caring about, you know, the results because we were building towards something. With Frank right now, he's literally just here. He is just a, you know, a pretty face to cover up the absolute shit that yep. is on show right now that's all it is right so i can't look at it strongly i can't i don't look at these any of these games really deeply there are obviously consequences to these games particularly in the champions league where we are going out of that competition unfortunately again for me i kind of accepted that can't when the draw was made regardless of who was in charge because we were playing real madrid and they are a step up from anyone we played in the champions league prior to that which again i know will be disappointing to some people but it's just me kind of accepting and be realizing where chelsea are this season uh, and whatever they just are as a as a team right now, it's tough. Hopefully, just for your sakes and my sakes, there'll be some positives to talk about, some wins to talk about in the future, because they are nice to talk about, right? Winning is still a good feeling, regardless of what the context is. Winning does help boost your mood a lot. It does. And yep. You've got to try and enjoy those wins when you can. But as of right now, it what will be will be. I will just keep providing you guys content. I will try and keep providing an engaging conversation with a wide range of guests. I will depending those guests may feel differently to what i do you know they may feel they may be more still emotionally attached more emotionally not attached that's the wrong word but just more emotionally vulnerable or whatever i am just me it's kind of my persona as i said yesterday the football did not matter i had a really nice day afterwards with my mm. mates at the pub had a really good time just joking laughing and that's also a big part of my footballing experience so i still had that so i came away from yesterday going ah the football was awful yeah we were awful i can you know no qualms about that well, I had a really good day out yesterday. So I'm, you know, my my Saturday, my weekend was not ruined by Chelsea. You know, I'd have loved to, I'd have loved us to draw on a one. 
but would obviously think... help make it a bit better. But it's just, and again, as I said, my experience is different from a lot of people listening who maybe just watch at home on their TV and then have other things to do or whatever. I'm very aware my experience is different and it's privileged in a sense. But again, I can only just talk from my experience and how I feel because that's how I experience Chelsea. And I think it's worth mentioning as a kind of positive and something that I think a lot of fans maybe, and it's this isn't something on a match-going versus non-match-going type thing. And I think actually perhaps it underlines Chelsea and its global reaches. Forget how we play on the pitch. Yesterday shows the kind of power of Chelsea Football Club as a tool for building relationships, for making friends, for, I mean, for me... It's the time I spend with my dad. Like I sit, I've got a season ticket now with my dad and it's time, special time for me in my life, which I spend with my dad, you know, as as, as time went out, I don't live at home. I, I've moved out. And what Chelsea does for me is, is it gives me, you know, 20 games a season, you know, depending on Carps, Champions League, where I can sit with my dad and, and just enjoy my time with him. And then there are friends and I know there are friends who are here from abroad um over recent games and over upcoming games too and the fact is that for us two having gone to games the fact that Chelsea's been able to provide for us more than just a team on the pitch but actually it's been a tool to help us you know have mates that we met online and not just online but just through generally through football and gives us a day out every other Saturday at least we can still be grateful for that. And at least no matter how we, how well we play or how, how poorly we play, in fact, that's not going to change. And that's something that maybe is underestimated. But in a season like this, I think our experience shows that that's still as powerful as ever and that it's not nothing to do with whether the team wins or loses. It's about footballers. Football is something perhaps more than that, bigger than that. And... I think it is worth saying that perhaps at probably our worst our worst moment since I've supported the club in terms of on field performance. Um, Chelsea, Chelsea for many of us, and including people that that don't go to games that interact with me and interact with you, Nick, through social media, gives us gives us so much more than a team on the pitch that maybe, particularly given that it's been only one season, it's not worth. It's not worth losing our marbles on that, but it's actually worth us being grateful for the other things that the club provides and has given us, you know, it's given given you a great podcast with with you know lots of guests and things that things that you've provided that that been provided for you. It's given me a following on Twitter and chances to come on pods such as this. So it's, it's something worth mentioning for sure. And I just wanted to kind of wanted to plug that as something to say, yes, it's been bad, but at least there's, you know, something that we can at least say that Chelsea gives us even in a terrible season like this one, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. As I said, I mean, Bruce Dortmund, I was sat with a good friend of mine, good friend of a pod, Jay Tomlins, a person who oh, the first time I, the first time I ever met him was we watched the Champions League final in a pub together. Our second ever time together was watching Chelsea beat Juventus 4-0 at Stamford Bridge. That's an example of someone who I've met online through Chelsea, who I've been able to have great memories and experiences with. You know, just people Porto again. with uh, you, Nick, mate. Yeah, we should share outside the bridge, exactly, at, at the Champions League final, you know, with you. Exactly, you know, again, 
you know, friend of the pod, Jam, and, and all my other, you know, people yeah. I, I've met on Twitter. I'm at the game with yesterday in the pub, just just joking around. Like, yep. I'm kind like that. They still provide Chelsea, despite all this. They still provide these opportunities for me, not my opportunities. So, like, for me to spend time with people like I, I I like and I care for. So, it sucks what's going on on the pitch. It does suck. In his in in it would obviously the experience would be that a lot lot better for me and many others if things were going on pitch. But I said I'm thankful and I'm lucky that I've got other things that the football also provides that I can still enjoy regardless of what goes on or not on or you know what goes on on the pitch. So it's again also just why there's maybe why I'm just not as downbeat as everyone else. But I'm still you know I still go to, I can still have a good time regardless of what the football is like. But anyway, I feel like we're rambling. We've kind of just gone away from the football. We're just <laughs> talking about a completely different topic. So we should probably end there. Um, Tom, it's been a pleasure despite uh, you know the, the actual football. Um, and give yourself one last plug where people can find you at, and all your work on Twitter, etc. Follow me at Tovis98. I'm part of the Chelsea Social too, at the Chelsea Social. I just want to say thank you guys. I know, yes, I've probably drifted the conversation on slightly, but I think given how Chelsea played, it's, it's so depressing, isn't it? That maybe talking about friends who mess through the football is perhaps a little bit more engaging, I suppose. But I must say, it's always a huge privilege to be invited on, Nick. Um, thank you ever so much. It gives me, again, a reminder that I have friends through Chelsea like yourself. And at least it's something to hold on to amidst this god-awful season. But have a great week, guys. Try and keep your chins up. Hope that at least maybe against Madrid, maybe some miracle, Harry Houdini pops up and we somehow somehow score not one, not two, but three goals. But let's see. Have a good week, guys. Yep. Uh, as for us, we're on Twitter, at Spot, Instagram, at Spot. We're on all your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, etc. Uh, if you like what you hear, please leave us a rating review. That goes a long way. Yep, look, it's it's another tough week. It feels like we have a lot of tough weeks this season on the pod this season. Thanks, as always, for your guys' continued support, for listening, for engaging, etc. Bring on Real Madrid. Just see what happens. Just, you know, we go in there and we just see what happens. Um, until the next episode, everybody keep blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network.